Deceptions Podcast. Providing meaning is not on the job description of a closed universe. Don't go there looking for joy this Christmas present. All we have is pageantry without any reason or purpose for it, an empty aping of the joy of Christmas. Imagine a DeLorean time machine car appears outside your house this year and you get in and you're told that you're going to 2052 to see what the future looks like. You arrive and you see what it actually looks like 30 years from now. Do you want that future? What would you do to get there or to get away from that future? That's what we're going to find out. How about this? A story of Christmas past. My mother remembers her early Christmases as a child in Dublin and the deep abiding joy that these brought her. A joy that has to be said did not come naturally if circumstances were any indication. Conceived out of wedlock in a strict Belfast religious home, mum's mum and dad married and escaped to Dublin before anyone was any the wiser. And they gave mum away to a foster mum, a World War I widow who had fostered 74 children to pay the bills. Mum was one of the last and permanent foster children until she was stolen away by her real family one day. No, that's another story. But back to Christmas in Dublin, Mum and her tribe were poor, poor and Protestant in a city that favoured Catholics back in the day. They lived in a big rambling house in the middle of Dublin city, and they had very little. But every Christmas, Mum's foster mum, or Mammy Standing, as my mum still calls her, would put up the Christmas tree in the living room, and presents that she could afford under the tree and then close and lock the door for a few days, allowing the children, all six of them, to take turns to look through the keyhole at the excitement inside the room, longing, contemplating, presence and food and fun to come. And what was Christmas Day like for Mum? It was joyous and fun, full of squeals and giggles. And presents, what sort of pre-Amazon delights awaited her on the other side of that locked door on Christmas Day. Here's what. A clay pipe for blowing soap bubbles. Soap bubbles that would be lathered up from an actual bar of soap in a tub. And an orange. Yes, that's right, an orange. Such fruit in Dublin at the time was expensive for foster families of Protestant World War I widows. But the crowning piece the object of love and affection, a doll, or a dolly, as my mum said, and still says. But not a new dolly, a dolly that was a second-hand dolly, a dolly that was given to the local mission just before Christmas by the better-off people, for the poor people of Dublin. No doubt, of course, to make room for the new dolly that some wealthy daughter would be receiving in the better-off suburbs of Dublin. One year, Mum's dolly had a torn fabric arm and Mum was in somewhat of a tiz about it on Christmas Day. 
until Mummy Standing sewed it up and put a little bandage around it with a, there, Dolly's all better now. And that was Christmas for Mum, until the age of eight, until she was stolen away by her real family and spirited back to Belfast one day. Now Mum got more dollies than she could hope for back in Belfast, and she clung to them for years, until one day, young still, at 15 or 16, she came home, and all her dollies had been given away. Sure, you're too old for dolls now, she was told. Mum has never been too old for dolls, still isn't, still loves dolls, took great joy in buying her first granddaughter, my daughter, dolls for Christmas. No clay pipe for blowing soap bubbles and no orange though. The times have moved on. And here we are, not in Dublin, not in Belfast, but the heat-filled Christmas of Perth, Australia. As far removed from the privations of mum's Dublin Christmases as you could possibly imagine. The story of mum's Christmas past is fading into our family background. Mum will be 80 soon. She will, no doubt of it, recount her earliest Christmas memories to us again this Christmas. Until one year, as is inevitable, she won't be there to do so. And that story of Christmas past will have been told to us one last time. I hope it's not this Christmas. So what's going on? Well, how about a story of Christmas present? A story that seems so at odds with the story I've just recounted. Mum in her poverty with her foster brothers and sisters and the unadulterated joy they had at Christmas. This year though, joy seems to be in short supply. That reality was driven home to me in what was almost a despairing cry in an article published in The Guardian just the other day by Paul Daly with this headline Christmas joy feels more elusive than ever look for quiet contemplation instead To be frank about it Daly's article is a cry of the heart a call for something more something beyond himself ourselves this Christmas But what's on offer doesn't seem all that attractive Listen to his words as he tries to sum up the feelings he is experiencing this Christmas. He says this, Christmas, most of us are brought up to believe, is all about joy. Joy about being with loved ones. Joy about giving and gracefully receiving. Joy about the permission we all have to kick back and be festive. Joy, for many, about the pageant's religious significance. But joy feels as elusive as a Tassie tiger right now. It is a unicorn, a needle in a haystack. I know I'm not at all alone when I say that this year, that finding joy feels almost impossible. Did you get that? As elusive as a Tassie tiger. For those of you not in the know, a Tassie tiger is a Tasmanian animal now extinct, known as a thylacine. And it's not to be confused with the Tassie Devil, of which you might know the Looney Tunes version, all slavering anger and craziness. But what makes his comment 
and indeed his whole article so interesting, is the concern that this should not be so, that joy should not be this elusive. We were brought up to believe that Christmas was to be about joy. Have we been sold a dud? Is that not true? Is it a lie? Daily lists the things that Christmas joy entails. And if your nostalgia switch is in the on position right now, you may recognize it. Loved ones, those cousins your age you only see twice a year, where you all have to share the same bedroom, all five of you, and there's early morning running around the house and parents coming out groggy eyed to tell you to shh. And Daly throws a crust to the actual foundation of Christmas. Joy for many, he says, about the pageant's religious significance. Now, the Cambridge Dictionary defines pageant the following way. Pageant, the show, usually performed outside, that consists of people wearing traditional clothing and acting out historical events. Remember the cursed and hurried look for a clean tea towel when you were playing the shepherd at the school's play? The dolly, Sawn's broken arm for the manger? The cardboard, glittery crown with too much paste on your hands? Acting out historical events, the first Christmas, the true Christmas. But of course, for the likes of Paul Daly, such events are no longer historical. All that pageantry, no history. All that we have is the cold, closed, impersonal universe from whence to draw comfort, comfort and joy. Indeed, that is where Paul Daly goes in these straitened times. Listen to these words, a longish quote from the article, but worth the hearing. Best in these circumstances, he says, I often think, to look to the universe, the stars and the moon for comfort. Over here at the bottom of the world, we can look to the stars and the moon with its magical tidal pull and just sit with it for a while and know that the universe is bigger, more meaningful than the globe with all its determination to destroy itself. But then again, he goes on, it must necessarily dawn on you that this is the same moon seen from where all the human pain and suffering it is possible to experience is now being realized. You can hear his anguish, can't you? And his despair, that the awful things we experience this year as we watch the world tear itself apart, ironically in the very birthplace of Christmas, are not for turning. The despair is set to continue. But there's a longing there, a wistfulness for something magical, and what of his idea that somehow the universe itself is bigger and more meaningful? Bigger for sure, but more meaningful? How could he possibly draw that conclusion? Faced with a secular frame, a hermetically sealed universe in which there is nothing beyond it, nothing beyond us, and certainly no one bigger than us, why look to the universe for meaning? Such universes are not kitted out to provide meaning, they just are. Providing meaning is not on the job description of a closed universe. Don't go there looking for joy this Christmas present. All we have is pageantry without any reason or purpose for it, an empty aping of the joy of Christmas. And for some, that's almost enough, isn't it? In fact, speaking to a school principal this morning, principal of a Christian school in Australia, he noted that his local council have banned the use of the word Christmas in all of their celebrations. 
Their slogan, and it is a slogan this year, make merry, make merry. It's a command, a law, an ordinance to go with all of the other chippy little ordinances that a local council is known for. Don't walk on the grass. You can't park there. Pick up after your dog. Make merry. But how does one make merry when there is so little, seemingly, to be merry about? We use the word merry at Christmas. You might know it from the Christmas carol. Now, how does it go? God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. And a pageant in which God's rest was declared and a call to not be dismayed was ushered. But that's now been reduced to restless dismalness. But worse than that, a command to keep up appearances. Make merry, ye merryless people. Make merry, ye despairing crowd. Make merry, ye angst-ridden, hopelessly depressed young people who see no future. Make merry, ye grieving widower. Make merry, ye battered housewife. Make merry, ye sexually abused children. Make merry, I say. It's an ordinance. It certainly feels like someone is missing from the Christmas experience this year. And I don't simply mean that loved one who has died or who has left or who is no longer speaking to us. Now, Daly's article comes to its denouement with these words. Now is when, I think, religion, if I had it, could be such a balm. Yet so many of us don't have it. So many of our councils have decided we have to make merry in the absence of it. And it looks cheap, cardboardy and awkward. Religion, particularly church-going Christianity, has fallen off the radar in the West. At best, for a few decades, it used to be Christmas and Easter. Now it's not even that. No calm, no balm. That's Christmas present. So where's it all headed? Well, we've looked at Christmas past. We've explored Christmas present. I guess it's time we talk about Christmas future. Is this despair set to continue? Is our only hope the universe faceless and meaningless as it is? Is a command to make merry and keep on a bright smile, despite the circumstances, all that we are left with? Can I suggest that perhaps we're seeing the seeds sown of a return to something more meaningful? Can I suggest that it's totally possible that Christmases in the future could make a return, a return to the pageantry that acknowledges the history of the events that we read about in the Bible and the accounts of the birth of Jesus? But here's what I'm noticing. There's a sense of joy in those who I meet who do believe that such a message is actually true, that such events truly happened, especially at Christmas time. And I compare it to so many others for whom the religious bit has been left behind. 
For here's what I've noticed too. The difference between a secular or a closed universe Christmas and a Christian Christmas is this. It's the difference between joy sought from the world and joy given to the world. The Bible's Christmas story does not try to hide the pain. The pain of Roman occupation. The pain of waiting for hope that seems to take forever. The pain and bewilderment of a child being born in slightly embarrassing circumstances in a traditional community. And then the pain of children being slaughtered because a power-hungry king feels insecure. Yet there is joy. Not from the world and its circumstances. Luke's gospel, the message from the angels, is joy to the world from outside the universe, from something, someone other than that universe. From the one who the story of the Bible tells us made the stars and the moon that Paul Daly believes to be the end of the matter. I think, and it's a personal opinion, but there's growing evidence for it, that there's a hunger for something more, something bigger, something transcendent, that Christmas in our secular age simply can't provide. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is a time to reconsider Christmas past. To, in a sense, go up to the keyhole in the locked door, like my mum and her foster brothers and sisters did all those years ago in Dublin, and just peep through it and see something bright and grand and beautiful and exciting and worth waiting for. And then, on that glorious day, to burst in when the door is unlocked and receive the good gift that a loving parent has provided at great cost to themselves. The parent, ah, the parent. The loving father of the Bible, who doesn't just bind up Dolly's broken arm, but is there to bind up the broken-hearted who can't fulfill the command to make merry. Perhaps you don't think that's true this Christmas, but what if it were true? Don't you want it to be? What of Paul Daly's despair is not the final answer. What might your Christmas future look like if you found the object of joy given to the world rather than vainly searching for joy from the world? Podcast.